Hey, this is Tyler Johnson, pastor of Mission Church located in Walnut Creek, California. I want to say thank you for tuning in. I hope this podcast inspires you, encourages you, and helps you live the life God called you to live. Enjoy. Mission Church, welcome back. It's me again. I'm going to kick off the lesson from 2022, and I'm going to share the verse that has been in my heart. I found it about seven months ago, and it's just impacted the way that I see how I'm supposed to steward my life. I want to read it to you. So 1 Timothy 4.16, it says this, Watch your life and doctrine closely. Persevere in them, because if you do, you will save both yourself and your hearers. Tom, a little thought, my lesson this year is watch yourself. You got to watch your life. Um, there was a kid game I used to play uh, called Kick the Can, and really it was just um, a rip from uh, Capture the Flag. So I'll use Capture the Flag as my illustration. So if you've never played Capture the Flag, the way that you lose in Capture the Flag is that you have this flag that you're supposed to watch and guard, and if the other team gets it and takes it to the camp, you lose. Now, there's three ways usually in uh, Capture the Flag that you lose as a kid. One is you get bored and you literally just stop paying attention. You stop you know, focusing on somebody coming there and you sit there. Maybe even you go do something else and somebody steals the flag and you lose. Second one is usually you get tricked. The, the other team devises this plan to maybe uh, have your focus over here. And then as you're looking over here, somebody comes over here and takes it from you. And the other one is you get distracted hanging out with somebody else. You're talking to one of your teammates and your flag gets stolen. Now, this is a simple game, capture the flag. You lose capture the flag, big deal. You go have lunch, you go watch a game, you go play tag. But what happens is you, if you lose yourself? What happens if you lose your soul? What happens if you lose your integrity? And what Paul is telling Timothy, hey, Timothy, watch your life. Watch your doctrine. Because the enemy is going to come after you. He's going to try to trick you. He's going to try to have you... I get distracted and steal the things from you that you need to hold uh, most dear. And so I started thinking about like uh, just the practicality of this teaching, like watch your life and doctrine closely. And I started thinking about um, myself year two of marriage. Rachel and I uh, got married and I was a happy man. And so I was eating a lot of happy foods for my first few years. And because of that, I was not watching my health. I was not watching my weight. Um, I was eating anything and everything. We were partying like crazy. We were just having so much fun. And because of that, I gained almost 50 pounds our first year of marriage. You're like, no, Tyler, that's not possible. I don't believe you. You know what? I brought a picture. I'm going to post it on the screen right now. Ready? Here it is. Yes, that's me. That is a picture of me, year two. Uh, I'm, I was uh, about 245 at that moment. I'm 200 right now. And so, I mean, I mean, my back started hurting. I was getting terrible heartburn. My back went out. My feet started bothering me, my knees and everything. I went to the doctor and I was like, am I, am I getting sick, doctor? He's like, no, you just gained 50 pounds. And it was one of those moments where I was like, wow, like, things can sneak up on you. In one year, I gained 50 pounds. That's like almost four pounds a month. I mean, that's a lot of uh, pizza and then more pizza, and a little bit more pizza for me, and then like, give me some more pizza. Uh, I'm a pizza guy. And so I, um, I did this little journey. I want to I share something practical with you. So what I did on this journey is I, um, uh, I did an assessment on my health, basically. And here's what I did. Uh, I got a Fitbit, and I checked how many steps I had a day. And in my Fitbit, uh, the first week, I just lived a normal week that I, I usually did, and I was walking only 2,500 steps a day. They say that like, you should at least walk 7,500 to be healthy. 10,000 is kind of the goal. And then not only that, I got this uh, calorie counter, and I was eating like 3,500 calories a day. So I'm walking 2,500. I'm eating 3,500 calories. And I was like, how are all these? How do I do this? Guess what was sneaking up on me? Sauce. I'm a, I love the sauce. I love ranch, um, cooking oils. I mean, you name it. So I'm eating 3,500 calories a day. I'm burning maybe 2,500. So I'm gaining 1,000 calories extra every day, hence gaining 50 pounds in a month. 
So I got a game plan. So here's what I did. I said, for the next nine months, I'm going to start walking or running. I'm going to do 10,000 steps a day with my Fitbit. Uh, I'm going to eat well and eat healthy. And here's what happened. Nine months later, I dropped about 45, 50 pounds. And then this was me the following year. I'm going to show you a picture of the before and after. Ready? Here it is. Okay, so that was me after. Now I'm going to show you. This, this stuff fires me up, at least. So uh, whenever I get on these journeys of wanting to get fit or uh, progress in life, I love before and after pictures. They're one of the things that inspire me the most. Um, shout out to Dave Yap, by the way. I just love how you're inspiring people to just transform their lives. And so um, it's just one of those things where you see those before and after pictures, like, wow, it is possible. So here's my before and after picture. Uh, um, year two of marriage, year three, ready? Show it up here. Boom, come back. Okay, and now here's my right now picture. It's not bad. Not where I want to be, but I'm not where I used to be, okay? <laughs> um, so... Um, uh, that's a simple, practical picture of when you don't watch your weight and watch what is going in and watch what is going out, uh, you can lose yourself physically. And again, like I said, like when I lost myself physically, uh, my EOE, my heartburn was terrible, uh, my back was terrible, uh, my body just felt terrible. Well, what happens if I don't watch myself spiritually? I get angry quickly, I get more worried real quick, I get depressed, all those things start to sneak up on me. And so uh, I wanted to take a different assessment um, uh, with this thought of watch your life, watch yourself closely, is what are we putting in our minds and in our souls daily? So this is a general assessment of uh, what we're going through uh, uh, um, on a a regular basis. Here it is. So um, iPhones, you are on average, this is average American, average Americans on their iPhone, three hours and change every day. Um, Now screen time, computer, iPhone, everything, seven hours and change a day. You want to hear something crazy? 13% 13% of millennials are on their phone 12 hours a day. So they're up 16 hours, maybe 18 hours, only sleeping six. 12 of those hours, you're just on their phone. That's a lot of screen time, okay? Uh, here's another thing I thought was kind of crazy. Um, uh, millennials are five hours a day, by the way. Uh, the other thing is the average person checks their iPhone right here 63 times a day. Just checks it, 63, like, it's like one of these things, like, you're like this. Anybody check me? No, okay, cool. A few minutes go by. Anything happen over here? Nope. Okay, cool. Okay, cool. Day's going on. You're like, oh, oh, oh just checking. Nope, nope, nope. Just, just still says my time. Okay, okay. It's cool. It's cool. Cool. So 63 times a day, you're just grabbing your phone and checking it. Uh, then they say you use your phone 80 plus times a day because you actually do get a call or uh, you get a text and you do it. So you're, you're touching your phone 80 something times a day. And then of course, for extended times uh, throughout that day. That's a lot, okay? That is way too many. Now, let's, let's keep going with uh, some things that we uh, do as uh, uh, Americans. Another thing we do is we are uh, texting on average an hour a day. An hour a day, we're just texting on the phone. Another thing um, I thought was interesting is uh, when I think about uh, the phone and the screen time is that um, uh, the things that we're watching, most of it is social media. And then the, the second and third things are like news and memes. So none of them are really that beneficial. Like if we're like, People are on their phones eight hours a day and they're reading and they're studying and they're, they're reading their word. Wow, it's amazing. But actually they show what people are doing on their phone and it's basically just junk food all day long. So, so that's what we're um, putting in ourselves as a majority of Americans on average. And then let me uh, share another thing with you. On average, a man speaks 2,000 words a day. Woman, 5,000. Of course, this varies here and there, but 2,000, 5,000. If anybody knows me, I'm at like 7,000 a day, okay? from I wake up at five, I'm like, this is just the way God wired me, okay? And so I'm um, talking a lot uh, throughout the day. Now, let's come back to this and say, how you doing right now? How's your life? How's your joy? 
How's your, how's your heart? How's your soul? How's, how's everything going? Because the reality is, is the reason why you're maybe not thriving and flourishing is you haven't taken assessment lately. And so I want to do what the doctor eight years ago did for me. The reason why you're unhealthy, Tyler, is because you're not watching your health. And what Paul is saying is he's trying to be a good doctor, a good mentor and say, hey, watch yourself because if you don't, your life is going to become something you don't want it to be. Now, how do we get it to where we want it to be? I want to read you some other stats real quick. Uh, 39% uh, read their Bible three to four times a year out of Christians. So less than half of the people in Christianity read their Bible at all in a year. 40%. So think about this. Six out of 10 Christians never read their Bible. Four out of 10 read their Bible three to four times a year. That's it. Let me read you another one. 10% of Christians have a daily rhythm uh, of reading their Bible. Only 10%. Only 10%. And that's not saying they read every day, but they are a daily, so miss a day here and there, but 10% of Christians have a daily rhythm of reading their Bible. Let me read you another one. 31% of Christians have a set time to pray. A set time. And then 50% say they pray on the move like, hey God, help me here, God. Help me here, God. That's about it. So over half of Christians, 5,000, 2,000 words a day, none of them are going to Jesus. None of them are going to prayer. Oh, and then let's go back in this way. This is a bad number. 60% of Christians, 61% of Christians aren't even opening up the word. They're checking their phone 63 times, but they're never checking in with God. So they're not watching their doctrine. How can you know the way you're called to live? How can you get encouraged? How can you know the way God wired you and built you if all you're doing is spending all your time on your screen and never in your word? Yep, I'm a pastor. Yep, I'm your shepherd. I'm going to tell you real quick, the thing you need most is to get in your word and to pray in 2023. I think that's the greatest lesson I can ever give you. And the reality is, is that a lot of you are spiritually unfit. And I'm not trying to be mean to you, but one of the greatest things my doctor ever did was he didn't give me a pill to try to mask what was going on. He gave me the answer and told me I needed to get a game plan to get healthy again. So I'm not going to try to give you a pill today. I'm going to give you an answer. Get spiritually fit this year. Watch yourself. Watch your schedule. Watch your doctrine. What, what are you believing in? Who are you listening to? And so uh, I say that to you, but I also say that to myself. I'm in ministry now for almost 20 years, and I've seen way too many pastors lose themselves in ministry because they stopped watching what they were doing. So here's how I'm going to do it. I'm going to give you my fitness game plan on how I'm going to do it, and then we'll be done. Uh, Matthew 5, it says this. One day as he saw the crowds gathering, Jesus went up on the mountainside and sat down. His disciples gathered around him and began to teach them. God blesses those who are poor and realize their need, uh, need for them, uh, for the kingdom of heaven is theirs. God blesses those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Um, God blesses those who are humble, for they will inherit the whole earth. And God blesses those who hunger and thirst for justice, for they will be satisfied. Oh, I just love that. And so here's what I'm doing this season of my life so I can watch my own life. And I got four stays that I'm basically doing so I can watch myself. The first thing I want to do is I want to stay needy as a believer. I want to stay needy because it says, blessed are those who realize their need for God, for they shall receive the whole kingdom of God. What does it mean to look needy? Our first year at church, uh, I went on so many what I call needy walks. Church would be stressful. We might not have a venue the next Sunday. Just things were going on. You know, uh, I'll be even honest. We'd have Sundays where we would receive our tithe and offering and we would, you know, take the box back and open it up to, you know, see, you know, what people gave that day. And um, it would be completely empty. The box would be empty. We go three weeks and the box would be completely empty. And then I get stressed out financially. Like, oh my gosh, Lord, we're going to be able to pay bills and, and be able to, you know, uh, extend your kingdom because there is a cost to ministry, a practical cost. And I remember like I'd go on walks and I called my needy walks. And I just walk and say, God, I need you. I need you to give me peace. God, would you pour out provision on our house so we can just do this practical things in ministry? God, would you send great people? And so I went on so many needy walks when I was stressed out our first a few years of church. I'm going to be honest with you. My needy walks have went down this last year. That was one of my assessments. 
I just haven't walked as much and just had my needy walks because to be honest, a lot of our needs have been taken care of. And so it's very easy for me to get comfortable where we're at right now. But here's what I know. God wants me to always stay in that place. God, I need you. I need you. I need you. So I'm bumping up my needy walks this season again. I'm going to go on prayer walks and just let God know. Just like my, my, uh, my Fitbit showed me how many steps. And there's just something about setting time apart for the day saying, God, I'm going to go on a walk. I'm going to hang out with you. I'm going to pray to you. So that's one of mine. So I'm going to, I'm going to, stay, I'm going to uh, stay, uh, stay needy. Second thing I'm going to do is I'm going to stay humble. So blessed are those who are humble. There's just something about not taking yourself too seriously. When we start to take ourselves too seriously, we start thinking about ourselves too much. We start thinking about our life too much. But when we start taking God seriously, we start thinking about him more. We start thinking about his plan more. And so one of the things I'm going to make sure I'm doing is if I start thinking about myself too much or I get worried too much, here's what I know. I'm putting the weight on myself and I'm having a, a, what I would say a mini God complex. Oh, I can fix this. I can do this. No, I can't. I cannot fix this. I cannot do this. I need my God. So I'm going to stay humble this season. That's why I'm going to stay fit. In other words, I'm going to stay soft. I'm going to stay soft this season. But it says, bless those who mourn for they shall be comforted. That word more is talking about sin. So uh, something I know about people when they lose themselves is they've lost their sensitivity to sin. They no longer mourn over it. Here's what they do. They justify it, they hide it, or they don't even care about it anymore. I'm not going to justify my sin. I'm not going to hide my sin, and I'm not going to care about it. I want to stay sensitive to it. When it. If it hurts God, it hurts me. If it hurts people, it hurts me. I always want to be quick to repent. I want to be quick to, to the Spirit to know, did I, did I grieve you, Holy Spirit? If I did, I want to be quick to adjust. I, this season of 2023 especially, this is what it looks like to have a soft heart uh, when, you're, when you're sinning. You, you turn a little bit here and you're like, oh, that's, that's not where God wants me. But when you're not soft, what happens is you just keep turning and turning and turning until you've lost yourself, you've lost your way, and you've lost your doctrine. I'm praying that you would not be um, numb to sin this season, but you become sensitive and just stay soft. The way you say soft, you stay in God's presence. And then last but not least, I'm going to stay hungry. I'm going to stay hungry. I read this study uh, recently, and it was um, eating a great breakfast does not help you lose weight. It doesn't like, it's not like some trick like, if I eat breakfast, I lose weight. But it does have a hack. If you eat a great breakfast, it releases this hormones where you're fuller throughout the day. You won't go have a huge cheat meal. So if you eat a nice, big, healthy breakfast at home, then the rest of the meals throughout the day, you won't actually uh, want to eat as many calories. And I just thought about uh, the Beatitudes when I read the article because it says, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for justice. Another translation is righteousness, for they shall be filled. It's saying, if you fill up on the right thing, you're not going to hunger for the wrong thing. That, that word filled means to be gorged uh, uh, with the word and with the spirit. It means to be, be full, like so full. Like you ever eaten pizza and you ate one more slice just for fun? You're like, I'm so full. I couldn't have another thing. Well, what the Bible is saying is that if you actually spend time with your word, like I said, most Christians are, if you actually read your word and you actually pray in the morning, your spirit will be so full. You won't even want to say yes to the wrong thing because you're already full on the right things. The problem is, is we're full on screen time in the world right now, and so we don't have a lot of room for God, actually. Let's flip that this year, and let's stay hungry for the right things. Mr. Church, I love you. I want to pray real quick, because I just, I was just thinking, it's a new year, and I don't know if there's a better way to start the year than uh, having somebody pray for you. And so I, can I just pray that this year, that you would start your before and after picture? And as I pray for you, I want you to show something real quick for you. I actually created my own before and after picture. It's very simple. Um, because I have a prophetic one. So I showed you my physical ones. Well, here's my spiritual before and after pictures. And I want to pray for you to have a, a great one also. So uh, I'm going to show the first one uh, on the screen real quick. Go ahead and put it on the screen. It shows January 1st, 2023. It shows joy, peace, love, generosity, hope, and faith. It shows that I'm a friend, a husband, a son, a brother, a pastor, and a boss. And then here's my prayer. Uh, we're going to put that back up. You can keep it up uh, if you'd like. January 1st, it says this in 2024, that I'm going to have more joy that I'm going to have more peace, that I'm going to have more love, that I'm going to have more generosity, more hope, more faith, and I'm going to become a better friend, I'm going to be a better husband, 
a better son, a better brother, a better pastor, and a better boss. That's, that's what I want to look, that's my before and after. That's what I'm aiming for in this next year. Because it says this in scripture, it's very, very simple scripture. It says this in uh, Timothy. Do not waste your time arguing over godless ideas or old wives' tale. Instead, train yourself to be godly. Physical training is good, but training for godliness is much better. Ooh, at your home, just say much better. It says promising benefits in this life and in the life to come. This is a trustworthy saying. Everyone should accept it. I'm going to show you a, a screen that could happen in my life if I don't watch myself. And it's the second thing. It's, it shows the same stuff in January 1st, 2023. Joy, peace, love, generosity, hope, and faith. But on the right side, if I don't watch myself, here's what could happen. Less joy. I'm going to endure life instead of enjoy it. Another thing, I could have less peace. I'm just going to be anxious all the time. Less love. I'm going to be quick to anger if I don't watch myself. Less generous. I'm going to become self-centered if I don't watch myself. Less hope if I don't uh, watch myself. Loss of passion for tomorrow. And then less faith. Start doing things in my own strength. And here's what's going to happen if I don't watch myself. I'm going to become an absent friend. I'm going to become a checked out husband. I'm going to become an uncaring son. I'm going to become a distant pastor. And I'm going to become an unenjoyable boss. It's amazing. There's no pauses in this life. Let me tell you again, physical training is good, but godly training is much better. I want to pray for you. God, I pray right now for every person, wherever they're at, if they're in their car, if they're in their house, if they're with their family. God, would you give them the strength to actually live the life you call them to live? Lord, there is a best version that you promised us, an abundant life. And Lord, the enemy has tricked us, just like in Capture the Flag, where he's trying to trick us to guard the wrong things and watch, watch the wrong things. But God, I pray in 2023, that Mission Church is going to have hungry people ready to read the word, ready to pray, and because of it, their life is going to become what you, you, you meant it to be. God, I pray for more joy for our church right now. I pray for more peace in our church right now. I pray for more strength in our church right now. God, we love you. We give you 2023. Oh, the first day of the very first year, we dedicate it to you. You deserve the best. We love you. We love you. And everybody said, amen. Hey, Mission Church, I love you. Up next is Joe Little. Enjoy. Well, Happy New Year's, Mission Church. Uh, so glad that you're here with us this morning. So excited uh, to just talk really quickly on one of the lessons I got from 2022. Uh, I would say one of the biggest lessons that I got is who you have with you matters. Who you have with you matters. The community around you, the people that are around you. And, and the thing that I had to really process was what do I do when I go through a hard time? Who do I call? Who are the people I listen to? Who are the people I get advice from? Uh, and what's very interesting there's a very, very great story in the Bible that tells us about this, that talks about this. And it's the story of uh, Moses. And Moses is about to go into a big battle. Uh, he's about to go into a big fight. Uh, and what happens in Exodus 17 is it says, Amalek came and fought Israel at Rephidim. Moses ordered Joshua, select some men for us and go out and fight Amalek. Tomorrow I will stand, I will take my stand on top of the hill holding God's staff. Joshua did what Moses ordered in order to fight Amalek. And Moses, Aaron, and Hur went to the top of the hill. Uh, and this is the part where it gets really, really interesting. It says, it turned out that whenever Moses raised his hands, Israel was winning. But whenever he lowered his hands, Amalek was winning. But Moses' hands got tired. So they got a stone and set it under him. He sat on it and Aaron and Hur held up his hands, one on each side. His hands remained steady until the sun went down and Joshua defeated Amalek 
and its army in battle. Uh, have you ever had one of those moments where you're driving home and it's super maybe late uh, and you're exhausted and you pull into your driveway and you're like, I don't really know how I got here. Like, have you ever had one of those moments to where you're like, I don't really know how I ended up here. I'll have times where like I'm driving after a game, I'm a basketball coach or, or I'm driving after like a late youth night. Um, and then all of a sudden I'm like, I don't know how I got in my parking garage. Have you ever done that and then went to the wrong place? Uh, like I've done that before to where I'll realize, oh my gosh, I'm headed back to work. Like where am I going? Um, you want to know when that never happens uh, is when someone else is in the car with me. <laughs> like that never happens when someone else is in the car with me. Like I can even imagine me driving with my wife, Paige, and we're driving somewhere and all of a sudden I take a wrong turn. Uh, she's probably going to tap me on the shoulder and say, hey, where are you going? Where are you going? Why are you going this way? And what I find very, very interesting about community and about living life with other people is that the reason why other people in your life are so important and having community and going to church is because when you're maybe going in one direction, they can tap you on the shoulder a little bit and say, hey, I, I think you might be going the wrong way. I think you might not be headed towards exactly where you want to head. And there's a story in the Bible where Moses is there and he's raising his hands. And the way that the story should have went, like the way the story, if you and I were maybe writing it up is Moses had a huge fight. He had a huge battle. He put his arms up and then Israel won the battle and Moses was the hero and it was awesome. Like that's the way you and I would draw this story up. We would say, oh man, Moses was the hero. Moses held his hands up. But what's very, very interesting is that what happens is Moses's arms get tired. His arms get tired. They get tired. So he's there and he's fighting and he's trying so hard. And then what happens is arms get tired. And when I talk to, whether it's young people or I talk to even older people, or when I talk to anyone who's maybe even lived any bit of life, uh, the majority of times when mistakes are made, when they've maybe headed to the wrong destination, when they've maybe gotten somewhere they maybe didn't want to go, nine times out of 10, the reason is because their hands got tired. Nine times out of 10, their hands got tired. Oh, it was just a really, really busy day at work. Oh, I just had a lot going on at home. Oh, my kids are just just crazy. Like things are just insane. And I ended up making this decision. I ended up walking away. Why? Because my hands got tired. And something you have to ask yourself is when your hands get tired, when your hands get exhausted, when you're maybe having one of these seasons of life is who is lifting up your arms. What I love about this story is that it really does embody the heart behind church. It embodies the heart behind community. It embodies the heart behind small groups. It says, hey, the reason why we're here, the reason why small groups going to church, being in community is so important. The reason why is not just to throw really cool events. Uh, the reason why is not just to pack out a house, but the reason why is because at some point in your life, your hands are going to get tired. So the reason why the church is here, the reason why community is important is so that we can lift up your arms. Is so that if your arms are tired and you feel like you're losing the battle, we're not going to point at you. We're not going to laugh at you. But what are we going to do? We're going to put rocks to your side, to your left and your right. And we'll say, hey, we'll hold up your arms with you. We'll help you hold up your arms. And the last thing I'll say before I close, Jesus, who was the greatest friend ever, who was the most amazing friend ever, uh, says this in the Bible. It's one of my favorite verses in the Bible. He says, if you're wearied, if you're tired, 
if you're exhausted, what is he saying? If your arms are tired, if you feel like you're holding your arms up, trying so hard to win the battle, but they feel like they're dropping, he says, come to me and I'm not gonna laugh at you. I'm not gonna point at you. I'm not gonna shame you. I'm not gonna make you feel as though you should be doing better. But what does he say? He says, I'm going to give you rest. So I'm gonna give you rest. What is he saying? I'm going to hold up your arms, your ability to get through your battles, your ability to get through your fights, your ability to get through anything that you're walking through will be directly determined by who is lifting up your arms. And my prayer for our church, my prayer for our community, and my prayer for you is that every single time you get tired, you would not just strive harder. Oh, I got to get my arms up. I got to, I got to work harder. But you would actually say, put, or you actually call someone, you would maybe shoot someone a text. Hey, I'm struggling. Hey, I'm tired. Could you help me lift up my arms? And through that, I think you'll be able to get through anything. You'll be able to really go well. You'll be able to suffer well, no matter what you're walking through. Why? Because you're not going through it alone. So that's my uh, little lesson from 2022. Uh, I hope that encourages you. Uh, and now you're going to hear from a powerhouse, uh, Caroline Graft. Uh, enjoy. Good morning, Mission Church, and Happy New Year. I hope you're having a wonderful morning at home, and I cannot wait to see you back next weekend. My whole life, I've had the privilege of living near my family. And so now that means I get to watch my niece and nephews grow up. So often when I walk into a room or join a family gathering, I will hear before I see. And what I hear is the same every time. Auntie, followed by pitter-patter, little footsteps coming up to me, asking for a hug, wanting to show me what they're working on, what they learned at school that day. And I feel immediately seen by them. And as I've gotten older, I've had this deeper appreciation for people who see me. It can be sending me a text when you're thinking of me, or following up on a prayer request or an upcoming decision at work that I told you about. Maybe just bringing me a cup of coffee because you were thinking about me. And as I thought about what I wanted to share this morning, I wanted to share with you that the most important person who sees me and sees you is God. And so our text this morning is found in Genesis 16. I don't have time to read you the whole story, but I want to give you a little context before opening up the Bible. So there's a story of Abraham and Sarah, and God gave them a promise that they were going to conceive and have a child, and through that child, the descendants would be as numerous as the stars. And probably like many of us, they got impatient, and they decided that they were going to fulfill the promise with their own means. And so instead of waiting for Sarah to conceive, she put forth her slave, Hagar. And that's where we pick up our text that she has conceived, and now Sarah is upset. Your, your slave is in your hands, Abram said. Do with her whatever you think best. Then Sarah mistreated Hagar, so she fled from her. The angel of the Lord found Hagar, found Hagar near a spring in the desert. And he said, Hagar, slave of Sarah, where have you come from and where are you going? She responds, I'm running away from my mistress. The angel of the Lord told her, go back to your mistress and submit to her. He added, I will increase your descendants so much that they will be too numerous to count. She gave this name to the Lord who spoke to her. You are the God who sees me. For she, for she said, I have now seen the one who sees me. And so this morning, as you're beginning a new year, feeling hopeful of what's to come, I wonder where you find yourself. Do you feel mistreated? Do you feel like you're waiting on the promises of God to be answered in your life? I want you to know that God sees you. And this past year, as I thought about the ways that I feel seen by God, I wanted to share with you a few ways that I see that. 
So first is by spending time in his word. If I know God's voice and I know his character and I know his promises for me, it's easier for me to see that he sees me. Turning on worship music in the car or when I'm at home, reminding myself of the truth in those lyrics that are true for my life. The second is to surround yourself with community. I wouldn't be your discipleship pastor if I didn't put a plug for mission groups in. So join a group. Surround yourself with people who can see you clearly as God sees you. Sometimes we're not going to have the right vision. We're not going to see the circumstance with the truth of God in it. And so I'm so grateful for the people in my life who can say, that's not what God says about you. That's not the promise he holds for you. And they'll help correct me in my vision. But the hardest thing, the most challenging thing I want to put before you is to listen for the voice in your head. What do you say to yourself? How do you see yourself? And then measure that up to what God says about you. And I think when we do a recalibration of what we see and what we say to what we see God say, that's where... That's where the magic happens, where we can live a life so on fire, so lit up with God's purpose and his calling, breathing out in everything that we do because of that alignment with who he sees us to be. I had another niece born this past summer, so she's six months old today, actually, and she can't talk yet. But what I've seen in her is that when my brother looks at her, she lights up. She'll laugh. She'll babble. She knows that her father is looking at her. And so church, what it tells me is that you and I still today can find that same security, that same confidence when we know that our father in heaven looks at us. Because when he looks at you and I, he sees the forgiven. He sees the redeemed. He sees the righteousness of Christ, which means he sees the fullness of the promise that he spoke in you and I. And so we don't have to carry the disappointment or carry the depression alone. We can bring that before the vision that God sees in our life and be encouraged to walk confidently, to walk boldly in our calling. And so that's my prayer. Before you do anything this year, before you begin any of your resolutions, would you take a moment and ask yourself, do I see the one who sees me? Next up, you're going to hear from the incredible, the anointed, our worship pastor, Lisa Bowler. Well, good morning, Mission Church. Happy New Year. I hope you're all having the best holiday with your friends and your family. What I want to briefly share with you this morning is about something that I think is maybe one of the most powerful forces on earth, and that is a praying grandma. If you know, you know. If you have one, if you had one, then you know what I'm talking about. They are a force. And a few weeks ago, our family lost our praying grandma, Grandma Faith. She went home to be with Jesus, and her name just perfectly encapsulates who she was. She was a woman of faith. She loved Jesus and people more than anything else on earth, and she left a true legacy to follow. And before uh, she passed, she knew her time on earth was kind of winding down, and she actually decided to write down some things for her family, some important things that she wanted us to remember. And I actually want to read uh, what she wrote this morning, and it's just the most precious words from this incredible woman who knew her time on earth was about to end, and she wanted us to know that these are the most important things to remember after a life well-lived for Jesus. So whether you had a praying grandma or you didn't, 
Uh, you can be Grandma Faith's adopted grandkids this morning for the next couple of minutes because since our family was at Mission Church, I know that she also loved you and prayed for you too. So here's what she wrote. This is a time of urgency. Focus on eternal salvation for people. Use your time wisely. Focus on the word. Read it. Meditate on it. Sing it. Forgive all the faults of yourself and others. Pray for healing of mind, soul, and body for those that have hurt you. Thank the Lord for eternal salvation and for hearing and answering prayers. In times of fear or stress, just cry, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. And then she underlined, it worked for me. And obviously those words hold a lot of weight to me personally and just prompted me as I go into this new year to stop and reflect and ask myself, am I ordering my life in a way that will leave a legacy? And I don't mean a financial legacy or just being well-liked by your family and friends and having them speak well of you. In fact, what I think is so special about Grandma Faith is her legacy never pointed to herself or her own accomplishments, but actually pointed to the legacy of Jesus in everything that she did. And I think what's also interesting is what she didn't say in her last words to us. There was no mention of accumulating wealth or success in a career or even hobbies. And those are all great things, uh, but I just find it interesting that they weren't there. And I'm someone who gets easily distracted. Um, I'm a person who goes on kicks, you could call them. If I get into something, I don't get a little into it. I get obsessively into it. It could be bread making. It could be my fitness pal. It could be basket weaving. It could be World War II history, whatever it is. I go hard. I get so into it and I can find it suddenly taking up most of my mental energy and focus. And my son, Grayson, inherited the same genetic trait from me. And right now it is Pokemon. It is Pokemon morning, noon, and night, 24 hours a day. So the other day I was trying to have a deep, profound parenting moment with my son, uh, which ended up backfiring, but I tried. And I said, Grayson, isn't it interesting that Pokemon is the most important thing to you basically in the world right now, but in like 10 years, you're not gonna care about it at all. I was trying to be deep, trying to like bring some perspective to his life. And he was a little offended and he looked at me and he said, mom, I will always care about Pokemon. Now, I've lived a little more life than my son, so I know that that's not true. He won't always care about Pokemon. At least that's the hope. <laughs> but how many things do we spend so much time and energy on that don't have eternal significance? And I think one of Hell's strategies is to use good things to distract us from great things. These things aren't bad, but do they have eternal significance and how are we spending our time? So Mission Church, I just want to encourage you at the beginning of this new year to just take a moment, pause and reflect and just ask yourself, am I prioritizing the things that have eternal significance? How am I ordering my life? As Grandma Faith said, it is a time of urgency. God put you here on this earth for such a time as this. So if that resonates with you, before you even make your New Year's resolutions about health and fitness and goals at work, I would just encourage you just lay those before the Lord and ask Him, what does He want you to be resolved in this year? And for me, I took Grandma Faith's words and I made a little list of daily questions that I want to ask myself. And I put this in a spot where I'm going to see it every day, multiple times a day, knowing that I'm a person who gets distracted. Um, and here are my questions. I wrote, am I focusing on eternal salvation for people? Am I using my time on earth wisely? 
Am I reading my Bible quickly to check it off my list on my YouVersion app, or am I really letting it change me and meditating on it? Have I worshiped Jesus today? Is there someone I need to forgive? Is there anything I need to forgive myself for? Is there someone who hurt me and how can I pray for them today? And then have I simply just talked to Jesus today? In Romans 12, Paul says, I plead with you to live your life as a living sacrifice to the Lord. And at the end, he says, if you do this, you'll know God's will for you and it will be good and pleasing and perfect. So Mission Church, that's my prayer for myself, but also for all of you as we enter into this new year. And I can't wait to see you on Wednesday. We're going to kick off the year with our first, first night. Start 2023 by worshiping Jesus. Love you guys so much. Next up, you're going to hear from the one, the only, Shane Russell. Hey, everyone. Good morning. Uh, Well, my name's Shane, and I just wanted to share a story with you today that the Lord has been showing me some stuff through, and hopefully it speaks to you. Um, And it's a story about our little daughter, Lainey. Uh, So uh, a couple months ago, my wife, Carrie, and our our little daughter, we went on a trip up to uh, Mount Shasta. And it's pretty far north, right? It's like right near the border. And so we actually did a little day trip and we went up into this little town called Ashland, Oregon. And it was beautiful. Like every, everything you could picture, you know, like a perfect fall town being, it was, right? It had like, you know, the, the, the big red trees and the gold trees and all the, all the leaves were on the ground. Um, they had this big, beautiful park, right, with a lake and a, and a river going through it and all this stuff. And, and so we uh, had taken Lainey, our daughter, to the park and uh, my wife and Lainey, they're, they're playing by the pond and I end up, you know, walking across this, this grass field and at some point Lainey turns around and she sees me from across this field and her whole face just lights up, just the biggest smile, the biggest, brightest eyes you've ever seen. And she just takes off. She starts running across this field towards me with her arms in the air and just running to me, her, her dad. And um, just in this moment, right, I don't even know, it's probably less than a minute, but uh, it just felt like slow motion because I just saw my precious little daughter running towards me. And just to see the joy in her face. And, and I just, I don't, I don't know if I've ever seen anyone so free, right? Just not a, not a worry, no anxiety. And she's just running just with the, the fullest heart, the most joy you've ever seen. And in that moment, like it stopped me. And like, I remember just my heart as a dad just being so full. And I started to, to, to cry and I tear up a little bit now, even just thinking about it. Um, but since that day, I've just been thinking about it a lot, and the Lord's been showing me some things. Um, and there's two things that really stood out to me from that day. And the first was just the freedom that she had, right? Little Lainey just running across this field, you know, on a beautiful day, the sun shining down, um, and just her arms in the air with so much joy in her face. And then, you know, what stood out to me about that is just, you know, that's what, at the end of the day, right, that's what the Lord wants for us, right? That's what the Lord wants for me and for you is that level of freedom um, and just joy in our life, right? To cast off all those anxieties and all those fears and to just live life with fullness of joy, as, as the Bible says. Um, but the second thing that's really, uh, you know, been, that I've, I've really been working on and the Lord's been showing me, uh, is kind of what I want to talk about this morning, is just the love that I felt towards her as her father. 
right? Because she, right, again, just is, is so full of joy and it's just, it's just this happy moment in life. And like, I didn't do anything, right? I'm just standing there watching her run towards me. And I then am just filled like to overflowing with joy and with love towards her. Um, and if I can be totally honest, one of my first, first thoughts later that day was, was, Lord, do you love me like that? Because it's just not something I guess I've thought about uh, to, to that level. Because, of course, I know God loves me, right? The Lord has been with me. Uh, I, I was saved in junior high. And he really, he changed my life. He radically changed my life from where it was going, from what it would have been. He pulled me up out of the, the pit and the miry clay. And, he, and um, he's, he's led me along the path of life, right, to, to where we are now. And we have this beautiful family um, and a beautiful church to be a part of. Uh, so again, I know that the Lord loves me, right? But I think, I mean, I honestly think this is the first time as a father, like I've ever felt, right, this, this much joy welling up inside of me, right? That it would bring me to tears to, to see Lainey so happy. And so I just remember like asking the Lord, like, Lord, do you love me? The, like with the, the way that I felt towards my daughter that day. And and of course, the answer is yes, right? He's God, right? He, he is love. And as much love as I could feel towards my daughter, he feels so much more love towards us, to me. And he feels that way towards you. And um, a couple of verses that I, I've been thinking about uh, that I want to read. Uh, it's 1 John 3, 1. It says, See what kind of love the Father has given to us, that we should be called children of God. And so we are. And in Ephesians 3, it says that you being rooted and grounded in love may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and the length and the height and the depth and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. And it's just so cool to, to take his word and have it come alive in a new way, right? These things that I thought I knew that the Lord is revealing to me in a new way as, as we continue to raise our daughter and as I continue to be her father. And I, I just want to be open to more of that this year, right? Lord, will you continue to reteach me things that I thought I knew and open my eyes to, to see things differently um, and I hope that speaks something to someone today. It's, it's, it's certainly what, what the Lord has been uh, working in me. Um, and next up, we've got our incredible uh, Pastor Rachel Johnson. Good morning, Mission Church, and happy New Year. It's such a privilege to get to share with you this morning. So in addition to this being the end of 2022, now the first day of 2023, welcome to it. I also this year had a milestone birthday. I celebrated a milestone wedding anniversary, and we are also heading into a milestone birthday celebration for our church. So needless to say, I have been in a very reflective and introspective space all year because of that. And I've really been processing quite deeply where I'm at, where I need to be, what the meaning of life is, what things are truly important on this planet. And as I've been kind of going on that journey and on that process, there's been a verse for me that's become like an anchor to my soul. And I want to read that to you this morning as I share. Psalm 1, 1 through 3 says, Blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked or stand in the way that sinners take or sit in the company of mockers, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord and who meditates on his law day and night. 
That person is like a tree planted by streams of water which yields its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever they do prospers. So I want to focus on the first word in all the Psalms and the first word in the scripture, which is blessed. Now, blessed is kind of an older word, and I feel like it's sort of lost its meaning because of that. And I, if I'm being honest, oftentimes will find myself reading through scripture and just sort of like glossing over that word without thinking about it. But if you know what it means, it's actually a really rich, nuanced, meaningful word. So blessed in the Greek is the word makarios. And makarios actually means in English, happy or fortunate. But the meaning is actually even a little bit more nuanced than just the English word happy. There was an island that the ancient Greeks referred to as the happy isle, the blessed isle, or the Makarios isle. And the idea was that if you were fortunate enough to live on this beautiful island because of its perfect geographical location, because of its perfect climate, because of its fertile soil, that you had everything that you needed to be happy on this island, you didn't have to leave the island to go meet any need or desire. Everything was self-contained in this place. So the next time you read blessed in the Bible, don't read it as like blessed, but actually think about it as this is the key to your happiness. It's contained in these words and you don't need to look outside of them. And if you've been asking yourself lately, is happiness, is contentment, is joy, is it really possible on this troubled planet? This scripture is saying that yes, it is, that it is a promise if you will listen to these words. So the title of my lesson from 2022 is, Welcome to Happy Island. Uh, David in Psalm 1 is uh, giving us the keys to self-contained joy here, to a privilege, to a fortunate status, if we'll just listen to him. So what makes a person blessed or happy? according to scripture. Let's read. Psalm 1-1. Blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked or stand in the way that sinners take or sit in the company of mockers. If you feel discontent in life right now, if you're not happy, if you're not full of joy, ask yourself, who are you walking in step with? Because it says right here, blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked. So what or who are you walking in step with? Is it the news? Is it CNN? Is it Fox? Is it MSNBC? Because these entities, literally every word out of their mouth is designed as clickbait to rile you up and to make you fear and hate the other side. So is that who you're walking in step with every day? Are you walking in step with all of the angry voices on Twitter and on social media right now? Are you walking in step with a circle of friends maybe who sit around and mock other people? Who are you walking in step with? So Psalm 1-1 tells us who or what we are not to be in step with, but Psalm 1-2 now tells us what we are to be in step with. Psalm 1-2, blessed is the one whose delight is in the law of the Lord and who meditates on his law day and night. And now there's a big difference between having access to something and delighting in it. There's a big difference between having access to something and meditating on it day and night. I think most of the people listening to me right now probably have a Bible in your house somewhere. And if you don't, email us, info at missionchurchca.com. We'll take care of it. But I think most of us probably do have a Bible, but is it delighted in? Is it rehearsed? If I gave you the gift of a piano, does that mean that you would automatically know how to play the piano? Of course not. If you wanted to actually learn how to play the piano, you would need to spend hours rehearsing. 
studying. You'd need to learn music theory, but not only would you need to gain that head knowledge, then you'd need to spend hours teaching the muscles in your hands how to connect with that head knowledge. And the Bible is the exact same way. It can be untouched or you can sit with it. You can delight in it. You can meditate on it day and night. You could let it wash over you and not just learn uh, head knowledge about the Bible and about God, but actually rehearse it and practice it and let it wash over your heart and your mind. Let it transform you. Blessed is the one who, whose delight is in the law of the Lord and who meditates on his law day and night. Now, finally, verse three, what is the result of all this delighting in God? His words, his presence, what's the fruit of it? Does it actually work? Psalm 1-3 says, that person is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever they do prospers. The Bible uses another word regularly to describe being planted, and that's to be rooted. The Greek word for rooted is ridzu, and it means to be firmly rooted or fixed in place, like a tree that's deeply anchored and therefore immovable. A tree's root structure holds that tree firmly in place despite weather, flooding, storms, and it provides the tree with a constant source of, of nutrients and of nourishment. So in this verse, you are the tree, I am the tree, and I will only flourish if my root system is planted in God's word, in his presence, and in community. So the ideas of being rooted sound really positive, right? What could be wrong with this? It sounds wonderful, I think, what I just described. But there's also another side to being rooted that might feel constraining, constricting, even maybe like our freedom is being taken away. So I wanna share three examples of moments in my life where I chose to root myself, and I'm gonna share the fruit that came from those decisions. I remember at 21, Right out of college, I got my first adult job at Sony Pictures, and I remember being a kid finishing up school on Friday, and I remember being an adult sitting at a desk on Monday in this new job, and I didn't know what to expect, and it felt crushing. I remember sitting so vividly at my desk for the first time, just feeling the weight of the world and feeling almost like this sense of of despair, like I wanted to get out from under this pressure. I wanted to still be a kid. I didn't want to carry this weight anymore. It's interesting because in that moment, I realized I was killing my flesh, which really wanted to just go do whatever it wanted to do, wherever and whenever it wanted to do it. But that wasn't good for me. So I wanted desperately to hit this, uh, this release valve or this, I, I wanted to, to get out of this situation. I wanted an exit strategy. And I remember in that moment, just deciding that I was gonna put roots down deep in this place and I was gonna water those and I was gonna see what happened. And I remember seven years later, looking back on this career that I was so proud of, that I so loved, that I learned so much in. I learned work ethic, I learned commitment, I learned how to show up when I didn't want to. I learned life skills that I get to use now, even in this current season, and I met tons of wonderful people. I am so glad I didn't hit that eject button in that season. I remember the first time Tyler and I got into a big fight when we were dating. And I remember thinking to myself, I know it sounds silly now, but I remember thinking to myself like, well, that was really nice while it lasted. Um, Cause I thought at the first sign of problems or unpleasantness or conflict, I thought that was just the end of the relationship. And I 
I had never been in a serious relationship before. I, I didn't know. And I remember Tyler very lovingly comforting me and going, oh, no, no, we had a fight. It's okay. Fights are okay. In fact, fights can even be good because we weren't on the same page. And then we had to communicate and we had to come up with a resolution. And now we have tools to deal with the same situation in case it happens again. Fighting is okay. And I remember in that moment going, oh, I'm going to put down deep roots in this relationship and I'm going to see where it goes. And now 10 years looking back on the happiest season of my life, I can unequivocally say that Tyler is the greatest gift that I've ever been given this side of heaven. And the marriage and the life that we have built is the thing that I am most proud of on this earth. I'm so glad I didn't hit the eject button. And then finally, I remember in the early church planting journey, when we planted Mission Church, there were some really painful, scary, and unknown moments on that journey. And I'm a perfectionist, and I like order and control over my environment. And I was in a season where I could control nothing, and it was causing me so much pain. I felt unsafe. And then also, guess what? Community squeezes you. And when you get squeezed, sometimes unpleasant things come out that you didn't even realize were there. I didn't like the fear and the insecurity coming out of me. I wanted to make the pressure stop. But God had put the dream of Mission Church in my heart and in Tyler's heart, and I wasn't supposed to leave when things got challenging. And I remember when I removed the idea completely of leaving from my mindset, and I decided to plant and root myself fully in what would become this community of people. And now looking back on what has been the most rewarding and fulfilling and rich five years of my life, I am so glad I didn't hit the exit button. During all those moments, I had to kill my flesh and what it wanted. And guess what? That's painful. Death is painful. And I wanted to do everything I could to get away from that pain. Culture tells us to do everything that we can to get away from what causes pain or inconvenience. Your flesh does not want to be rooted. Your flesh does not want to be constrained. But going back to our tree metaphor, you know what's rootless in nature? Tumbleweeds. You know what tumbleweeds are good for? Nothing. And you know in nature what is rooted? Trees. And do you know what trees are good for? Trees are good for shade and food and protection. They clean the environment. And beyond just being useful, oh my goodness, are they beautiful. And notice the tree still has seasons. There's still storms, there's still winter, there's still snow hibernation and moments where everything seems like it's dead. But when a root system is planted deeply and has access to water, we know that winter is just part of this process that leads us to the blooms of spring and ultimately to the harvests of summer. So coming from a milestone season, it's really fun that at this moment in my life, I can say to you unequivocally, that his way works. To know beyond a shadow of a doubt that I wanna stay rooted in this soil, stay rooted in his presence, stay rooted in his word, and stay rooted in this community. And it goes without saying I think, but I do need to say it, that we're not supposed to stay in abusive environments. And oftentimes, while God calls us to stay, he will oftentimes call us to go into new and beautiful seasons and environments, and that's good too. But it's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about those seasons when you know you're supposed to stay, but it's just painful or inconvenient. 
Some of you are mad that your life might feel kind of listless, kind of blown about, kind of meaningless. And Jesus is inviting you to more in 2023. He's inviting you to root yourself in his word, to root yourself in his presence, and to root yourself in community. You are a creation, and you are made by a creator. And this is your instruction manual, not just on how to survive, but on how to flourish and thrive. And all of your happiness and all of your purpose is wrapped up in you understanding that and in giving it a shot. And so in 2023, I would encourage you to do just that. Happy New Year, Mission Church. Love you. Wow, what a day. I mean, I, I learned so much. Here's what I know. God gave this church a gift in the team that he assembled. Thank you, everybody, for sharing. Mission Church, we love you. I'm preaching next Sunday live. We're back in service, 9-11, back at Mission HU. Can't wait to see you. Be blessed. Thanks again for listening to the Mission Church podcast. If you enjoyed it, make sure you subscribe so you can keep up on our weekly sermons. If you're in the Bay Area, we invite you to come join us on Sundays. You can find all the details on our website at missionchurchca.com. Again, thanks so much for listening, and we hope to see you soon.